Hi, and welcome to Fashion Talks, the podcast about observing the world through the lens of fashion. I am here with Tiffany Pratt. Stephanie Pratt, stylist, designer, art director, speaker, philanthropist, author of This Can Be Beautiful, host of Buy It, Fix It, Sell It, and the airing again soon, home to win, queen of color, fairy godmother, other of glitter. Tiffany Pratt, it's wonderful to have you here. Oh my God, I'm so, when you called me Donna, I thought, I'm honored because fashion's my soul. Fashion's where I came from. And so when you get swept up in the design world, I was like, okay, well, Okay, see you later, fashion. So I was so pumped when you said, let's talk about fashion. Well, I'm so delighted because I know fashion is part of your world, but let's just go back in time a little bit because I want our listeners to have a bit of context. Can you tell me a little bit about where you were born, where you're from? Take us back to the early days of Tiffany. I always say, um, not bad for a white girl from Florida. So I was born in Naples, Florida, so I'm half American. I spent you know, equal parts of my life bouncing between Canada and the US. Um, some parts of my childhood were in Florida, and then I moved up to a little farming community outside of Brantford. And then when I graduated high school, I left right for Australia. And I left Australia, went right to New York City, and I spent 10 years in New York. So it, when I was in New York, that's when I had my career in fashion and beauty. And uh, I actually, when I landed, I didn't know what a portfolio was. All I knew at that time was I wanted to be a fashion designer. So I walked into the front doors of FIT, Fashion Institute of Technology, and uh, I thought I was going to be a fashion designer, and they saw my portfolio and they said, absolutely, we will enroll you on the spot for textile and surface design, but you will hate designing because it's far too technical. How did they know that from your portfolio, do you think? I think it's because the stuff that I showed were over the top, mixed medias, all of my nudes, all my life drawing, everything was colored. When someone would go to a fashion illustration class, everyone would bring like a charcoal, and I only ever brought color. I brought color content. Everyone, every piece of the female or the male form was done in color. So I think they had a sense of my use of color, and they thought maybe this could be wasted just doing design. Was color always something that you were passionate about, like even as a young kid? Was yes. color always part of your world? It wasn't. It wasn't something I consciously chose, which is interesting about life, right? Like you think, oh my God, you know, you consciously wanted this, so you went for this. But I just have always loved color. I remember as a child, you remember those temper cakes that they would give you in school and you'd have to put water on them and then you would activate the color. I remember that so vividly in my life going and painting and then activating that color and just being dazzled by it and mixing the colors together and seeing how they changed. So I think that experience really formed my love. When you think back to your early childhood, do you remember how you dressed? Yes. What's an outfit that like kind of typifies that that point in your life? I would say um, well, all you need to know is at four years old, I said to my mother, I need a pair of white walking shorts about, about this do. long, and I need them to be white, and I need pockets. So at four, I was already dictating that this would be something that would be important to me. I also did costume changes. My mother never yelled, but I remember one time she took me aside with a firm talking to, and she said, you have to keep one outfit on each day. You can't keep changing your clothes. I have two other daughters, we have so much laundry, I need you to keep it to one outfit. And that was so hard for me. I was like, really? Just what? So I, I had to, at a very young age, understand that clothes were functional for my family, but as I got older, 
I mean, you're probably the same as I am. I wasn't even in the double digits watching Jeannie Becker in fashion 100%. television, right? Like, she, she was my, I, I, I think I was nine, sitting in my family's Lazy Boy, watching the end of Star Trek so I wouldn't miss a minute of fashion television. 6.30. Right? Mm -hmm. I was obsessed. And it was on Sundays, right? Sundays and Saturdays. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, like, I think fashion is something that when you realize that clothes are more than just something to cover your body, a whole world opens. Do you totally. remember when you had that moment, or do you think you just always knew? I feel like it, it never, it was just something that I realized in others watching fashion television as a child. It wasn't something that I knew, I just realized it in others and kind of connected to them with it knowing it was in me. And knowing that I never felt of my body so much like I have to dress for my figure. It was more about just what do I think is fun? What's cool? And I look at dressing and textures and colors and shapes as an art form more to look at and appreciate as a whole picture versus, oh, that dress fits really well or that jacket is perfectly tailored. Um, when I was in New York, my very first real, real job was I was a personal shopper at Saks Fifth Avenue. What was that like? So that's when I learned the art of tailoring. When you would look at the body and you would understand that, yes, off the rack, this is what you get with different brands and designers. We did trunk shows with designers like right off the beat in New York. And I loved it because it, it taught me how to refine everyone's style while still integrating real clothes because not everyone could afford only strictly fashion at Saks. Um, but I was really, I worked a lot with tailors to use just the everyday garment and really make it look more elevated by taking it in here or not taking it in there or leaving a dress like I'm wearing now, this like schlumpy linen thing and putting a great jacket on it. You know, it's, it's about working with proportion. So. And when you were working as the, as the personal shopper, did you ever get a sense of how clothes made your client feel? Like, talk to me about what you would observe as, as people went through the process of trying things on with you. I think that's the greatest question because in anything in our lives, we have to tap into how we feel. And when we get into that zone of feeling, we can start to make incredible decisions about what we surround ourselves with, with our choices, with our clothes, with everything. So I loved when, and the cool thing about Saks was it was a full lifestyle store. So when you're dressing a woman and you're trying to build confidence, it wasn't just the clothes, it actually starts with the undergarment. So it was about what underwear, what bra, what, what pantyhose are you wearing, what socks with those shoes. Because when you're able to really build from the inside out, then the shapes are intact, right? The garments underneath, the shapers, the underwear, the bra is really gonna give you those proper proportions and shapes so that when you put a beautiful blouse on or a really great dress, it looks the way you want it to look. So we would start from the ground up and we would talk about undergarments and then we would talk about, I love to mix something that's a little inexpensive with things that are expensive. It's always been my way. So I would always love to give my clients those amazing baseline pieces, like a really great suit, wonderful jackets, you know, three awesome go-to pairs of shoes, two awesome go-to bags, um, you know, underpinnings, hats, so basics. But then everything in between can be shopped for somewhere else. And when you empower someone to make those less expensive choices, integrating it with the more expensive choices, it's almost like a peacock that plumes, you know? You can see someone really feel like, oh my God, this is the actual version of me, you know? So it's, it's beautiful to see. 
It's, it's why I loved watching What Not to Wear. Because <laughs> the best part was the reveal yeah. at the end with yeah. Stacey and Clinton where people would come out and you could just see... You're right. See their faces change because they felt different and they saw a different reflection of themselves. It's... it's uh... People think that fashion is, um, yes, there is fast fashion, and yes, styles are fleeting, and yes, trends are constantly changing. But what I always say to someone who's buying fashion or acquiring something is, it's less about what's in fashion, it's less about what's on trend, and it's always about how you connect with it. And if you love something, you will love it for a long time. What did you do after Saks? How did the rest of your career in New York in the fashion industry progress? I stayed there for a while loving it, but then what happened was um, a gentleman was working uh, at Saks. He had a hair care line. And so then I got into beauty. I did a sidestep into beauty because he was distributing his hair care line through 14 different Saks stores, and I had developed a relationship with the buying department. So I actually flipped over and started to work with him, and he was making um, hair care at a liquid technology company in LA and importing brushes from uh, Italy. And I was working with him to develop these lines and then you know, trying all the products, um, helping with the packaging, all the design of that, and then getting it into the stores, the SAC stores, doing public appearances for him and running his flagship store in Greenwich, Connecticut. So, it became um, the more business side of beauty and fashion, where I was still at Saks and working with my, my friends at Saks, but I was, I was getting involved in a different part of it. Um, beauty as a whole, if it's fashion or if it's cosmetics or if it's hair, I learned at a very young age, it's not one thing, it's, it's a package. You know, you have to look at the whole piece. And I, I do that now even in my work with um, art direction or creative direction or homes or restaurants, is that it's not just one thing. Anything that we're experiencing is everything. And we need to look at everything in order to feel like it's an immersive experience. So when I'm working on a restaurant, it's not just the space. It's like, okay, I'm doing the menu. I'm designing the logo. I want to pick the napkins. I want to know what hand soap you're using in the bathrooms. Like, crazy. But it's a complete experience. It's complete. Yeah. Right? So hair's the same. You know, fashion's the same. When did you transition from being, you know, sort of like pure fashion into interior design? How did that happen? It was a total fluke. While I was in fashion and beauty in New York, I was with a gentleman who bought an old house in Connecticut. And so when he bought this old house, it was sort of, he was surprising me with it. it I came home from one of my trips and he said, I just bought this big old house. And I was like, what? You know, you have to picture me in my mid-20s. No experience with home decor. Here I'm with this old, huge house in Connecticut, and I was like, oh my god. He's like, you love this stuff? Pick out some tiles. And I was like, what? So for two years, we ripped this house apart, and I ran a renovation while working. What an education that must have been. Well, what happened was we ran out of money halfway through. So then I had to, and now this is predating YouTube. This is predating any do-it-yourself or any information. I had to learn how to work with trims, install stuff, uh, fill holes, install wallpaper, hang and sew curtains, reupholster things, because I needed to finish the house. So it was less uh, a love for interiors and more it felt like more of a mission to complete. But all the while, I was using this new magazine called Domino at the time as my gateway drug for interiors. 
So I'd be getting in all these, you know, very international fashion mags that I pay through the nose as a subscription. So I'm looking at fashion by day, and at night I'm tucked into bed, just pouring through Domino magazine, getting a little bit of home porn going on. And um, it wasn't until I moved to Toronto many years later, got my place down by the beach, outfitted that, a photographer friend came over and said, oh my God, your place is incredible. Could you do my place? And I just said, okay, like I'll take a couple months this summer. Give me your keys, give me a credit card. It was not a designer job. It was like friend to friend. And uh, I did her place. And the story goes that an editor at Toronto Life had to use the bathroom and was in her building. And she said, you can use my apartment. And she used her bathroom and she went into her place and she was like, oh my God, who did your condo? And she's like, oh, my friend Tiffany. She's like, well, we got to write this place up. She wrote the place up, then House and Home did a video on it. And then from that day forward, as soon as that article came out and that video from House and Home came out, it was designer Tiffany Pratt. Do you remember anything about that condo? Like, can you picture it in your mind? Yeah. What, would it, what did it look like? Well, it, it was... I think why it stood out at the time was because I don't look at homes as homes. I look at them as, as installations and projects. And I also work really closely with things that exist and budgets. So what was special was I, and I did almost, I would say I did 90% of the work myself, which was the best part. Because for me, it was a pet project. I wasn't trying. You were doing it for a friend. I was doing it for a friend. I was busy doing other art direction gigs. But I ripped out all of her um, laminate hardwood floors and I epoxied her concrete white myself. I wallpapered her bathroom. I did a complete entire one full wall collage of every single picture, poster, paper, anything that I could find on her floor. And I like wallpaper glued it to the wall. I had like light fixtures rigged up and behind pallets to make a headboard. Um, I was doing weird curtain-y things with the shower curtain. I painted interior doors, that wasn't a thing at the time, changed all the hardware, painted out the kitchen, like everything. And it was just me in there. I looked at it at the time of painting and ripping things apart as therapy. You know, I was just in there, it was like my art therapy, and then when it was over, it was this beautiful composition of white and wood and yellow and black and, and natural, and it really spoke to the times that we were in at, at that moment. And I, and I think it was very different. You know, now we're seeing more of that in home decor. But at the time, now we're talking about, what is this, 10, 11 years ago? It was pretty fresh. What do you think the relationship is between fashion and interior design? There is, it's such a tight relationship that people, it, it surprises me when people don't see the correlation. When people don't make that deep connection. Because when you open up a fashion magazine and you look at the colorways or the makeup colors or the fabric prints or the shoes or the bags, and then you were to do that same thing in a home decor magazine, you would see all the same colorways, you would see all the same feelings, but just done instead of a carpet, it's a sweater. Instead of a sofa, it's a jacket. You know, instead of a pillow, it's a hat. So it, it's, they're, they're buddies, they're best friends. You know, fashion exists in life, and it's not just on what you wear, it's how you live. Well, and it makes me think, too, that the things that make interior design interesting in terms of, like, mixing textures and the way colors interplay, the way prints interplay, yes. those are the same things that make our outfits sing as well. 
I, I'm having a light bulb moment sitting here with you. You are. You're having a light. I am. Okay, that that makes me feel like we're here for a purpose, and and the purpose to me is always that you are as you you are as you put yourself together, right? So if someone hires me as a designer, and I show up in an all black Adidas sweatsuit, they're not going to think that I have a sense of style or a sense of proportion or a sense of anything because I'm not showing it. We are all walking billboards for our personal style. And it doesn't matter what that is. And you attract in this life what you reflect. So if you're attracting style, it's because you're giving style. Or you're, if you're attracting confidence, it's because you're giving confidence. If you're attracting love, it's because you're giving love. And that goes for your shoes, your car, the stationery you ride on, the home you live in. It's all, it's all the same. Yeah, it's all a connection in terms 100%. of what we reflect and receive. Yep. What do you think the importance is of our interior spaces? How important is that to the kind of life we want to live? I have learned over time and why I've stayed in interiors is because to me it's one of the most important. Can we, this is the truth, having done closets in fashion for as long as I have, can someone walk into their closet, ditch everything and start again relatively quickly? Yes. But can someone remove all the contents of their home and buy all new and, and structure that all new as easily? No. So when we're dealing with the home, we're dealing with the four walls, the ceiling, and the floor that hold our hearts and our souls every day, that protect us, make us feel safe, that make us feel like we have a place in the world. And that feeling cannot be compromised by anything. So why I feel like the living space is so important is because it's the thing that helps us be the best thing we can be, helps us nourish ourselves, and helps us go into somewhere protected to go, then go back out into the world and do good work. Put on amazing outfits. Have the confidence to do what we want to do. Create a closet or a kitchen or whatever that's reflective of who we are. It's almost like this magical little domino effect that once one thing gets touched and changed, everything else follows with it. So I think the home is a great place to start because it's private. It's where not everyone gets to go or see. It's only for you. So it doesn't need to look like the pages of a magazine. It needs to look like yourself reflected within four walls. And then once you have that around you and that confidence around you, then you're okay putting on the crazy faux fur pink jacket. Then you're okay to buy the amazing you know, statement glasses or wear that bright orange lip or wear those platform boots. I think when you start building your style confidence at home, it will translate in every decision you make outside of the home. What do so, you mean by style confidence? That's a great term. I think style confidence is to know who you are and to know what you like and to not veer off the path of that authenticity. Because when you're confident in your style, it doesn't matter who and what's going on around you, you feel secure in your choices. So it, it's like my pink hair is a great example. This is my, my style choice is to have pink hair. It's not a regular hair color. It's not something that everyone will do. But I love color and I love pink and I think it's fun and it brings me joy. So it's part of my style message that I, I will, you know, this is part of me. This is who I am. And then that will perpetuate into, okay, well I have pink hair, so what looks good with pink hair? You have to wear different makeup when you have pink hair. You have to wear different clothing colors when you have pink hair. And the same goes if you have black hair, if you have blonde hair, if you have brunette hair, if your hair's red. So 
to make those confident decisions means to then decide other things confidently. Tell me about the conversations you would have with people, be it when you were a personal shopper through to design clients, because I imagine there are some very interesting, intimate, personal discussions, like stuff gets uncovered as you are helping people with the foundation of their style confidence, be it their space or their wardrobes. I love this question. You're so smart. Seriously. Why, thank you. <laughs> I mean it. I love this question because it's the, it, it feels really important because that no one realizes the, uh, the, the depth of feeling and emotion that gets buried in our closets or that gets buried in our belongings. And it's not until you're face them, facing them or facing that challenge that you understand how emotionally connected you are to it. And that's where I've realized over the years that my work is actually very therapeutic and it's soulful. It's not the surface level, this looks pretty, let's move on. It's less about that and it's more about how do you want to feel and then how does this make you feel? And then let's find the common ground. People cry when they get rid of clothes. People want to talk about the memories that they had wearing certain things. You attach yourself to old body shapes that you had. You attach yourself to old lives you used to live. When I moved here and left my career in fashion and started doing what I'm doing now, my body shape is different. My daily lifestyle was different. How I needed to handle my personal belongings and my purse was, everything was different. I had to get rid of walls of designer shoes. I was a, I was a more curvier version of my former fashion self that had to be a size two. I wasn't gonna wear those tiny clothes anymore and I had to purge myself of that girl and then become new again. And I think we all have to embrace the fact that if it's our clothes or if it's our homes that we're not always gonna stay the same. And it's emotional and it's deep. But if we ask ourselves the bigger questions, we can create a personal metamorphosis by being really, really honest with our growth and our changes as we go. Does this dress serve me? Do I still like it? Yes, keep. If it's not, I get rid of it. Is this chair making me happy? Do I want to sit in it every day? Yes, great, I'll keep it. If not, it hits the curb. Give it to someone else, move on. So life and what we touch and what we wear and how we do it is a very emotional experience when we get down to it. And I like tapping into that. Because when you get into that and you really start living on that level with your things, knowing it's all energy, good or bad, and working with that flow, it's like a whole other side of ourselves can erupt from that. Because once this is good, your house is good, your closet's solid, you can think about more important stuff. It's not it about... It clutter you. It doesn't clutter you. You're not thinking about, oh my God, I need shoes or I need to fix my kitchen or... You can move on. You can think about helping others. You can think about serving the world. You can think about traveling. You know, it sounds so silly, but to really nail yourself stylistically in your home and in your closet, it's very empowering. Well, and then we consume less when we do that, right? Because you don't need as much. Because you know what you have and you know what you love and you know you don't need more. And you're not feeding a hungry ghost of trying to satisfy something because you haven't actually figured out what it is. As soon as we are in that flow and in that place of, we go through transformations all the time. Yes. And when we are content in that transformation, then we don't need to fill it with other things. I love that comment so much because to need other things is all a lie that we tell ourselves. Do we need all, tons? No, 
And also what I found that is the beauty in something that's on the side of the street or the secondhand clothing shop or the, the consignment store. That's the other place that I love to send people, my former style clients for clothing or my current home decor clients, is that there is real joy working with the past and giving things new life, and that becomes personal, and that's also emotional. It's, it's, it's a less hollow transaction than just buying something brand new. You really, when you buy something vintage, half the time you have to fix a broken seam, you have to rebead something, you have to fit it properly, but it really makes it special in yours. And it's to engage in life, and I, you know, I could talk about the environment now, but fashion, we need to start using more of what we have, and we need to start really looking at our clothes and thinking, okay, well, if I cut those pants and turn those into culottes instead of buying culottes, or if I you know, salvage this jacket by changing the buttons, I think that that's a better conversation. Same with our homes. Could I recover my existing sofa? Could I keep these chairs but then put them in another room instead of getting rid of them? It's just about looking at our existing things with fresh eyes. And do you find your clients are open to that? Is it kind of like an aha moment for them and they go, oh. Always. But I know I've done my work when someone says they feel free. Interesting. I know that my work is, is complete when I see, uh, like a restaurant that I've done go on, like the Piano Piano that I did has gone on now, they're opening a second location. When I created that for them and they were able to replicate it and do a second, I know I've done my work, which is people are feeling something, it's successful, and they're free. You know, freedom is where we all want to be, is to feel free in our lives, in our choices, in our homes, in our bodies, in our clothes. So when someone will say, hey, like, I feel so free. I feel like I don't have to think about my house. I feel like I don't have to think about my clothes. That's, that's the end goal. And then we have room for all the other things that we're meant to, have, meant to do. When I was honored when you were introducing me and you said um, philanthropist. Never thought of myself like that at all. Come on. I don't. But hearing you say it just makes me want to inspire others to just think of others. That's, I think, the greatest thing I could ever share is that we're all here to help each other. You know, we're all here to help each other be the better version of ourselves. Fashion has a tendency of being very catty. I lived in the fashion world in New York City. You can't get cattier than that. You can't get low down dirtier than that. And I realized that it's not a super soulful place, but we have to try to find the soul and what it is that we love. We have to find the things that make us happy, and then we have to help others do the same. So that's, the, that's where I'm at now, is just I want to help others find their joy and feel happy in themselves. And I think that that's what I hope for all of us, is that we can all just bring the bliss to each other by first starting with ourselves. You know? Tiffany Pratt, I feel you. Thank you so much for being here. People can watch you work your magic on Home to Win on yep. HGTV. Launching soon. Launching soon. Or actually, I think by the time this comes out, it's going to be, we're going to be giving away a house. <gasps> Tune in, people. Home yep. to Win on HGTV. And if people want to follow along and see the magic you do in other parts of your career, where can they find you? So my website is tiffanypratt.com and it's full service. There's my um, Instagram, which is at the Tiffany Pratt. Um, I'm on a podcast of my own. Love Jam. The Love Jam. Love it. Love yep. the Love Jam. Thank you. So that's a place where we're all about getting into the love of what we do. Um, but more than anything, I'm, I'm always so grateful when beautiful humans like yourself reach out and want to engage and, and share and 
be together and talk. So thank you so much. You are so welcome. Thank you for being here. If you're interested, you can follow me at This Is Donna B. You can follow along Fashion Talks at Fashion Talks Pod. Thank you to CAFA, our producing partners. You can learn more about the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards at C-A-F-A-W-A-R-D-S. Thank you to Cadillac Fairview and the Toronto Youth Centre for hosting us today. Until next time, I'm Donna Bishop and this is Fashion Talks.